I invite you to turn into your Bibles to Romans chapter 15. Romans chapter 15. What's interesting about this chapter of uh, Romans is, uh, as you read it, you'll see that it seems there was an unfortunate chapter break um, from 14 to 15, that the thought and the theme of chapter 14 flows um, not just to the end of chapter 14, but it seems to carry on uh, all the way uh, through verse 13 here of, of this 15th chapter of Romans. And so we see, and maybe in your Bibles you have some uh, headings that are uh, often helpful to uh, kind of wrap the theme of a, of a, pa- of a paragraph or a passage. And um, you'll see chapter breaks and even paragraph breaks, thought breaks, theme breaks uh, that the English translators have put in our Bibles uh, just as a means of, of help sometimes to wrap our minds And here in my Bible, uh, chapter 15, verse 1, and this section through verse 7 uh, has the heading, the example of Christ. And then 8 through 13 is Christ, the hope of Jews and Gentiles. And then uh, 14 uh, through 21 is Paul, the minister to the Gentiles. And then 22 through the end is Paul's plan to visit Rome. And you'll, you'll see, uh, so the theme kind of there is the church and, and the unity that we discussed even last week uh, and the last number of weeks in Romans 14, and it carries on. So we talked last week about, well, when you know who God is and what he is like, it's going to transform uh, not just how you read the text, but how you live the text. And here it goes further to say it's not just like you having to infer things about who God is and what he expects of you. But more than that, here in chapter 15, it begins by saying, look, Christ is the example of exactly what we just talked about. Christ is the example, and he also is the hope. And then the last portion of this chapter, beginning at verse 14, you can see this letter that that Paul wrote to this church at Rome is starting to come to a close. He's starting to have some greetings and some salutations, some final instructions. He's, He's wrapping down Uh, this letter to the church at Rome. And so we're going to take some time and work through chapter 15. And there is so much to glean from this chapter, uh, more so than 14. And so uh, let me pray for us even as we begin uh, our time in this chapter today. Father, you are uh, infinite in knowledge, infinite in power and in wisdom. And we come to you now admitting that we are not and we are frail and we lack understanding. We lack Um, even just the means of wrapping our minds around who you are. And so we are so thankful that you have um, given us your word and you've given us the Holy Spirit to help us understand. And so we just pray even now as we come to this chapter uh, 15 uh, that you would uh, open our eyes and uh, that you would give us um, just hope in the gospel, that you would give us a truth that we can live to glorify you, that we can have things where we can Um, take them away so we can serve others better. And so we come now, even this morning, and ask that you would open our eyes, that you would uh, incline our hearts, that you would uh, allow us to be drawn into what this text is teaching us so that you might get the glory from our lives. We pray it in Christ's name. Amen. I'm going to read this first section, verses 1 through 13, and then uh, we'll work through the first verse together. Hear God's word. 
We who are strong have an obligation to bear the, the failings of the weak and not to please ourselves. Let each one of us please his neighbor for his good to build him up. For Christ did not please himself, but as it is written, the reproaches of those who reproached you fell on me. For whatever was written in former days was written for our instruction, that through endurance and through the encouragement of the scriptures, we might have hope. May the God of endurance and encouragement grant you to live in such harmony with one another in accord with Christ Jesus, that together you may with one voice glorify the God and the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, welcome one another as Christ has welcomed you for the glory of God. For I tell you that Christ became a servant to the circumcised to show God's truthfulness in order to confirm the promises given to the patriarchs and in order that the Gentiles might glorify God for his mercy. As it is written, Therefore, I will praise you among the Gentiles and sing to your name. And again, it said, Rejoice, O Gentiles, with his people. And again, Praise the Lord, all you Gentiles, and let all the peoples extol him. And again, Isaiah says, the root of Jesse will come. Even he who arises to rule the Gentiles, in him uh, will the Gentiles hope. Verse 13, may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing, so that by the power of the Holy Spirit you may abound in hope. May God... Bless this word to our hearts. I want us to look at verse 1 here this morning. And there is so much packed in this one little verse, as always, as every Bible text, every word of the Bible you could just glean for hours on. And uh, we'll spend some time just in this first verse this morning. And here's what it says. I'll read it again for us. We who are the strong have an obligation to bear with the failings of the weak and not to please ourselves. We who are strong have an obligation to bear with the failings of the weak. An obligation. Who has this obligation? Well, Paul here uh, slots himself in with the strong. I'm not sure uh, about you as we read through chapter 14 and studied through chapter 14 together, who you found yourself more in line with or maybe even hoping to be called, right? Chapter 14 is all about the strong and the weak, the strong person and the weak person. And so most of us, by our sinful nature, want to gravitate towards describing ourselves as strong rather than weak. Most of us, by sinful nature, do not want to be described as or discovered as weak. I'm not weak. But here, Paul in this text, we see he calls himself one of the strong. And we know from the context of chapter 14, it's not necessarily just about brute strength, physical strength. It's not even about spiritual strength. Because the weak in chapter 14 were just really less mature. They were weak in some of their uh, freedoms rather than... uh, What's interesting is because the weak in chapter 14 are actually strong in conviction. But it's interesting the way Paul calls them the weak. He's just saying they're kind of weak in their freedom and their liberty and their understanding of the gospel. It's a little bit weak. It's a little bit on the immature side. So Paul says that he comes himself in with the strong. So he says, we who are strong, says those are the people that have this obligation. They have an obligation to bear with the failings of the weak and not to please themselves. They have the first obligation to do that. 
He aligns himself with those more mature, more liberated in their understanding of the gospel, more free to live in, in Christian choice and liberty, knowing uh, that I get to decide, just does this glorify God or not? I'm not following the Mosaic law anymore. I'm not bound under it. I'm not going to hell if I, if I disobey one of the commands today. Paul's liberated from that understanding because he's realized what Christ has accomplished. Christ has completed it all in him, and so he's walking in that but in that strength, and if you're in that strength and you have that freedom and the liberty in the gospel, and you have that, uh, by God's grace, the maturity and growth and an understanding, with that maturity also comes responsibility. It comes responsibility. The mature, the growing, they are the ones that have the obligation to the other. The strong are to be the ones to bow down first. The strong are to be the ones to give up their rights first. The strong are the ones who are supposed to sacrifice first. They are to lead the way in love. Look at, uh, if it's on the same page for you, uh, chapter 13, verse 8. It says, we owe nothing to anyone except to love one another. For the one who loves one another has fulfilled the law. And so the person who thinks, well, what is right to do? What is acceptable before God? What is right decision and moral decision? It is to love one another. And so those who are most mature, those who are most strong, should understand this conviction the most. And because they are more mature, they should lead in the sacrifice and the sacrificial love that it takes, especially when it comes to opinions, things of secondary and tertiary concern. It takes love to say, I'm going to set my conviction aside so that someone else doesn't struggle, someone else doesn't stumble. I'm going to set my opinion, my held opinion, my strongly held opinion. I'm going to set it aside for the sake of love. And you know that love, according to 1 Corinthians, is patient. And love is kind. And love is not self-seeking. And love covers a multitude of sins. So when you think that the strong or the mature, the, the, really the goal of the Christian life is to be growing in maturity and strong in the Lord, the goal of that is more sacrifice. That's how we get there. That's what that looks like, is more sacrifice, more love, more being the first ones to give up our own rights for the sake of another person. But it's not just a, you should do this if you're strong or if you're growing in the Lord, that you maybe, maybe it's a good idea if you bow down. Maybe it's a good idea if you let someone else have their opinion first. No. Maybe it's a good idea if someone who's weak that you would just um, help them out. No, no, it's an obligation. We who are strong have an obligation to bear with the failings of the weak. And the obligation extends, I think, to not please ourselves. We are obliged to do so. We have an obligation, firstly, to bear with the failings of the weak. To bear with them. To bear with them is not just to tolerate. We often will use that phrase, you know, bear with me. I mean, it's just pretty much put up with me for a moment. Tolerate me for a minute. That's not what it means here to bear with, because it's interesting, the ESV translation uses the word with, bear with the failings of the weak, which almost seems like just bear with them for a moment, tolerate them, put up with them. But other translations use a better translation, I think, is to bear the uh, failings or bear, bear, bear the iniquities or bear 
the infirmities of the weak, bear their weakness itself. The idea here is to support rather than criticize. And it's a dramatic and and drastic contrast from chapter 14, how it begins in verse 1 of chapter 14. We see the person there. It is not a person who is supporting but criticizing. 14 verse 1 says, As for the one who is weak, welcome him, but do not quarrel over opinions. You see this tendency to quarrel and criticize. Chapter 15 starts by saying, we've discussed this. And so rather than criticizing, you're going to support them. Bear with them. Bear them. Here, the idea is profound. Rather than bearing with another person like they are a burden, we are called to bear their burden with them. We're not just bearing with them as they fail and tolerating them. It says here that we are helping them bear their burden. And isn't that what Christ did? Isn't that what he did? With your burden and my burden? He didn't just help us along and drag us along as we carry the weight. He didn't just say, come on a little further, I'm just going to show you the way to go. Come on, I'll even like push you along. No, he took the burden. And so if we're to be in living in Christ-likeness, we're going to be looking to take burdens off of people. And say, I will bear that weight. It's not just that I'm going to forget it for you or I'm going to tell you you're okay, but I'm actually going to bear the weight. If it's a heavy sack on your back, give it to me. Bear the failings of the weak. It's interesting because if they're weak and maybe this thing is crushing them in their faith, you're supposedly strong, so just take it. Somehow, whatever way you can, take their burden, take their failing, the, the, the burden of it. It's really interesting. And Paul mentions this also to the church of Galatia. In, in chapter 6, verse 2 in Galatians, he says, um, Bear one another's burdens, and so fulfill the law of Christ. Well, we know the law of Christ was to love God above all else and love your neighbor as yourself. Love your neighbor. And that's the law of Christ. Love God, love others. And in Galatians, Paul says it, to bear one another's burdens is to fulfill that law. It is to fulfill love because it takes sacrifice. You're strong. You don't have something going on right now. You're, you're able to walk upright. You're able to walk without pain and, and you're able to walk in comfort maybe in this season of life. So love says, I'll take on discomfort. I'll take on challenge. I'll take on uh, slowing down for the sake of another. That's sacrifice. That's fulfilling the law of Christ. In 1 Thessalonians 5.16, he says also, We urge you, brothers, admonish the idle, encourage the faint-hearted, help the weak, be patient with them all. This is what it looks like to be a growing and strong Christian, is to be concerned for the weak, those who are being crushed. Admonish the idle. If they're sitting there, tell them to get moving. Encourage the faint-hearted. They're discouraged. Give them encouragement and help them when they are weak. And all of it, be patient. So when you put yourself in the place of the weak for a moment, perhaps this person is, is fearful of the judgment of God because of what they're doing. A choice they've made or choices they're making. They're fearful. Maybe they're fearful of the world, fearful of death. They're fearful of many things. And so in one sense, they're weak in their trust of the Lord. What, what do they need? Do they need you to tell them they're weak? 
Do they need you to uh, tell them just to suck it up? No. Someone weak in that way needs you to just show them the truth. When we are fearful in any way, the best solution is not just to help them close their eyes. The best solution is to help them open their eyes and see the truth. Well, what is the truth when we are faced with fear? The truth is the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ, that no matter what's happening here and now, there is life beyond now. And there is a hope beyond now. And so whatever this is, and it might be a real fear, it might be a real failing, we can see through it to an eternity with God. And so to help them in that, you point them to eternity. The the weak could have a, a plethora of weaknesses, temptation, just weakens you on a constant basis. How do you help those who are tempted? You, you help them by, by being a listening ear, a non-judgmental ear. Allow them to tell you they're tempted. If no one's ever told you about their temptations, perhaps you're a judgmental person. And it's just revealing. They don't want to tell you because you're going to judge them. But when you're, when you're able to hear a temptation of someone else, you're able to bear that with them. Even just sometimes someone getting their temptation off their chest is freeing. It's it's less burdensome. And so be a listening ear to those who are tempted. Help them, if they need, to set boundaries around temptations. What if the person's weakness is physical? Help them. If it's mental, encourage them. Emotional, provide for them. Spiritually empty, give them Christ. Here, the context of this weakness is spiritual weakness in really being burdened by the law and burdened as you would see in romans 7 you know paul's struggle back and forth the the thing i know i should do i don't do and the the things that i want to do i I can't seem to do and i'm just broken this law is showing me how sinful i am i i truly know what it is to disappoint god now and and so then a person who understands that, and we have a right and godly conviction in our heart to go beyond that and to say, well, God won't love me if I don't do this. That's what happens. In Romans chapter 14, the person who is abstaining from certain food is thinking, if I eat that, I don't think God will love me. If I, if I partake in that, I will not be welcomed in church. Even though these things that, that are just a matter of conviction, they're crushed by them. So then there's this sense of guilt they are just ridden with all the time. They're not keeping up with the law. All 633 Jewish laws, they can't keep up. And they've failed. And so they're feeling guilty constantly. That's this person. That's the weak. The one who is crushed under the law by the guilt placed on them by the law. What they need is freedom in the gospel. They need to see Christ and how Christ has borne all of their guilt. That's what they need. They don't need you to necessarily tell them that law's wrong or that rule's stupid. Or they don't necessarily need to see you enjoying your freedoms. They need Christ. They need Christ. So if you're going to bear their burden, you need to, yes, hear it all. Take it all. Show them that guilt can be transferred, and not to you. But you can help them bear it to Christ. That's our job. We're to come alongside and we're to be in that ministry of reconciliation, right? Once we've been reconciled to God, we're supposed to help others be reconciled to God. We're to bring them as heavy as they are to the cross and say, your guilt can be taken by Jesus. And you might need to do that day after day after day, season after season for people who are guilt-ridden and think, God won't love me because I did this. 
Or God now hates me. Even though I was a Christian, I'm not sure he'll accept me anymore because I failed today. What we need in those circumstances is someone to bring us, heavy as it is, sacrificially giving up of their time, of their energy, of their comforts, to come in and carry you to the cross again. To carry you there and say, come to Jesus. As many times as you need, come to him. Lay your burdens down on him. Don't just set them aside and think, okay, I'll I'll deal with that later after my little time with Jesus here. No, bring your burdens to Jesus and lay them on him. That's what we need in order to be helped. So therefore, as we are stronger and as we have strength in the Lord and we understand that Christ takes all of those burdens, it's our obligation to help the weak load off their burdens on Christ. It is our obligation because we've understood the freedom of it. It doesn't mean that we don't have guilt. It doesn't mean that we don't have any other weakness of any sort. It just means that we understand where it all should be placed. And so sometimes we are blinded by our sin, right? We're blinded by the deceitfulness of sin, and so we need one another. That's what Hebrews chapter 3 says in 11 and 12. says, take care, brothers, lest there be um, any of you, in any of you, any evil, unbelieving heart, leading you to fall away from the living God, but exhort one another every day, as long as it is called today, so that none of you may be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. A sin. Encourage one another every day in, in where to place our sin, where to place our guilt, where to place our, our faith. To not place our faith in the system. To not place our faith and our trust in ourselves or our own righteousness. We ought to help one another to place our faith repeatedly in Christ. That's what it means to bear their burdens. To help them feel the weight and carry that weight to Christ again and again at cost to ourselves. That's the thing with burden bearing is it's going to cost you something. If you're to help someone, you're to bear the burden of a, a bed. You don't just stand there and encourage the person to lift harder and lift that end too and lift this end as well. That's not bearing the burden for them. To bear the burden is you take one end. And you have half the weight to carry as they were supposed to have 100%. Now they have half the weight. And the beauty of the, the church and the people of God is if you have 10 people bear the weight, then the person who was weak to begin with and couldn't do it at all now has been helped and they only have 10% of the weight to carry. We, we carry the weight of, of difficult lives and of trials with one another, carry them all the way to Christ. That's our obligation, as the strong, as the mature, as the growing, is to bear the failings of the weak. Bring them to Jesus, because Jesus himself invited those who are heavy laden and burdened down to come to him. He invited them. Matthew 11 says, Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden. Laboring after the law. Trying to do what's right and being dissatisfied and discouraged every day. Those who are heavy laden. They're laboring after keeping the law and they can't do it. Jesus says, come. Come to me all who labor and are heavy laden with guilt. I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. For I am gentle and lowly in heart. And you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy. And my burden is light. 
for those who were heavy under the law, those who were weak in their trust of all that he had accomplished, he invited them again and again to come. Come if you are heavy laden. Come if you are crushed under the law. Come, and I will give you rest, he says. We only have rest, we only have the burden removed when we come to Christ. And so our obligation then is ourselves firstly to go to Christ and then to lead others to Christ repeatedly. It's not just a one-time lead someone to Jesus. It's not just that moment. It's not just that time in history. It is a constant need we have. Every day your own heart wants to convict you and condemn you. It wants to tell you you're wrong. And there's no way God could love you after doing that or thinking that or feeling that. There's no way God will forgive you this time. Not this time. You've done it far too many times. That's what our heart wants to lie to us. And the deceitfulness of sin is going to harden our hearts to say that's true. That's true. Don't go to Jesus this time. He's not going to welcome you back. That's what the deceitfulness of sin does. So we need in those moments to be able to have one another. That we can bear those, bur- that we can share those burdens with, and throw it out on them, and say, "This is what I'm, I'm experiencing in this moment. Is this just, I'm just guilt-ridden. I'm tempted by this. I'm failing in this. What do I do?" And we know the truth. Like if you've been a Christian any time, if you've heard the gospel, you know you, you just give it to Christ. You pray about it. You, you trust in faith that He has taken it upon Himself. But man, when you're weak, you can't do that. You can't do it alone. You, you can't even muster up the strength sometimes to pray when you're weak. So that's why we have one another. We have the obligation to each other to bear their failings, to help them pray, to pray with them, to pray for them, to bring their needs and their requests to God when they can't or they won't. We bear, we bear their failings. It's interesting. Their failings. King James uses the word infirmities. Other translations, the word weaknesses, we bear them all, all of them, just as Christ bore ours. He took ours. He, he removed them ultimately. And so we, we help them. Then as Christ's representatives, as his ambassadors, we help them lighten the load. We say, look, I'm going to come alongside as Christ ultimately does. And as he ultimately takes your burden, is there any way I can alleviate this burden from you and oftentimes it's not going to be physical you're not just going to be able to pick up something from their house and move it that would be too easy so this is not an easy task to bear the failings of the weak it is difficult it means emotional days it means hard conversations it means you repeatedly patiently lovingly showing them Christ and his forgiveness. That's what it means to bear their failings. Because these failings of these weak are plaguing them, trapping them in guilt. And so our job is to show them the release of that guilt. Is trust. Is trust. Do you trust Jesus is able to forgive this? Well, yeah. Do you trust he has forgiven this? People, people struggle with that. And that's a real weakness. But then that's our job to repeatedly come again and again and show them in the text you know, the truths that we have. If you confess your sins, he is faithful and just to forgive. Do you believe that Jesus is faithful? Well, yeah. Do you believe he's just, that he will punish sin properly? Well, yeah. Well, you know what it says in that text? That if you confess, he'll forgive you. 
Do you believe that? We, we bring people again and again to the truths of the text, the truths of the gospel, what Christ has and will and continue to accomplish, the forgiveness of our sins. And he's faithful to do it. And his justice has been served. It's not just like this sin is brushed away for a moment and you can feel good today. No, justice has been served on your sin. Do you believe it? Do you believe the cross was enough? Do you believe it was sufficient? Do you believe Christ is fully God? Do you believe he was fully man, your representative before God? And trust, let's trust together. Man, we are weak so many times in this and we end up crippled by our weakness. But we need one another in this. We need the strong, those who are strong in their understanding of the gospel, those who are strong in their understanding of the freedom that we have in Christ, need to encourage, come alongside and bear the failings of the weak. The amazing thing is, it's not just the obligation of the strong to do it. Those who feel strong. It's the obligation of all believers. It's of a growing believer, of a maturing believer, one who represents Jesus. It's just the strong are supposed to take the first step. The strong are supposed to lead the way. Those who are mature in Christ obviously set the example for this. But we all have an obligation to one another to bear each other's burdens. And if we do so, there will be less weight all around See the context of uh, Galatians chapter 6, which I read earlier. I read, I read, bear one another's burdens. But the context there in verse 1 of Galatians 6 is, Brothers, if any is caught in any transgression, you who are spiritual should restore him in a spirit of gentleness. Keep watch on yourself, lest you too be tempted. Bear one another's burdens, and so fulfill the law of Christ. So again, the law of Christ being the law of love, love God first, be concerned for God's glory first, and then love others second. If anyone is caught in any transgression, if anyone has failed, they have fallen. If you're spiritual, if you're more mature and maybe just in that area, restore them. Restore them. Bring them back to Christ again and again. Show them the reconciliation they have with God through Jesus. And it gives instructions. It says, do it in a spirit of gentleness. The weak are broken. They're broken. They're frail. They don't need someone to come and whip them back into shape. Spirit of gentleness. As Christ said, come to me all who are heavy laden and find rest. For I am gentle. I'm gentle and lowly in heart. So, in representing Jesus, in being like Jesus, we too then, it says, in a spirit of gentleness, are to call people back to restoration with God through Christ. What a, what a privilege. And yet, at the same time, if you think about how many failings you have, and if someone else was to help you bear all those, you think, I, I, I couldn't do that to someone else. That is way too much for me to handle. I don't want to put it on anyone else. I don't want to burden them with all of my junk. It's necessary or else you'll be crushed. You'll be drowning in it. And so that's why God has given us the body of Christ to confess our sins to one another, to to tell each other our temptations, to to come with one another no matter our, our opinions on certain topics. And we can come with Christ in mind and speak Christ to one another. He loves you still. 
He forgives you daily. And he's gentle. So we ought to represent that very Christ. We have an obligation to bear the failings of the weak. Second obligation, which we'll look more at next week because it goes further in the next text, is we have an obligation not to please ourselves. Not to please ourselves, but to please others. So you might be thinking, well, it's really hard to bear the burdens of others. It's really hard to have constant conversations to pointing people about the love of Jesus, especially if they just seems to not get it. It's hard. Yes, well, we're not to please ourselves. This isn't about making you feel good. This is about making them feel forgiven. Them understand that they are in Christ. It's, it's a beautiful thing. It's an exhausting thing. But when we all do it for one another, we're all taken care of properly, right? It's not just me and, and one other person. It's, it's the body of Christ. It's, it's a beautiful thing to bear the burdens of one another. We who are strong, maturing, growing in Christ are obligated to bear with the failings of the weak because we represent Jesus. Because we're like Jesus. We're growing in our likeness of Jesus who did not consider himself and who bore all of our burdens especially and, and most gruesomely in the cross. All of our burden, not just before men and Pilate and the Roman soldiers and the people there, not just in his body of, of shame, but before the Father. All of the failings, all of your failings, my failings, he, he, he bared them. He, he took them on himself. He stood before the wrath of God and he dealt with them. And that's a precious truth that we always need a reminder of and we need to remind others of that they, these are weak in their faith because they are trusting in something other than the message of the cross. They're weak. They're less mature in their faith. They still think that if I do this, God will reject me from heaven. And that, as much as it's hard, it's kind of a paradox, right? You think, well, yeah, but God expects obedience of his children and we're supposed to obey. But at the end of the day, we see the gospel of Christ does not just forgive us, but it changes us. And so, yeah, there is this transformation, but that transformation is not instant, it's not immediate, and we need help. We need people to come alongside us and point us and remind us that this is not a light and day in terms of your behavior, your inclinations, your temptations. They're not just going to switch off tomorrow, but Christ is walking us and purifying us and sanctifying us until the day he calls us home. And so until that day, we will have weakness in our own selves and within our own church body. We'll have those who are uh, maybe believing lies about their sin, believing lies about their forgiveness, that they don't believe it, that, or they believe that God won't love them as much. We're always going to have these temptations that Satan's always going to want us to uh, have the word of God twisted, right? Did God really say that he would love you, even if you did that? Did God really say that? So we need... The, the more mature, the stronger to come alongside and say, yes, he did. Yes, he did. The cross was enough. Let's pray. Well, Father, we are so uh, grateful that uh, even though we fail, even though um, we deserve the punishment for our sins, um, you are there with open arms, loving, forgiving, freeing, because Christ has taken our burden 
taken our failings upon himself and, and given us as a guarantee the Holy Spirit to seal us until the day of redemption. Help us to remind one another. Help us who are more mature in the faith, who have more time in with, uh, with these struggles to walk alongside those who haven't. Help us to bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ, the law of love, of sacrifice. God, we're not naturally inclined to do this. We're naturally inclined to consider ourselves and think about ourselves. So we need your help. Thank you for the example of Christ. And now we ask that you would um, stir up that, um, that Christ in us, that we would help to be reconcilers of men and women to Christ on a daily basis. Help us to bear their burdens and so give you honor and glory. We pray this in Christ's name. Amen.